sung, we thank you by experience. We know that your love surrounds us. We are continually and completely surrounded by your love every single moment of the day. That will never change for the rest of our lives. We can never be separated from your love. Even though our experience sometimes would try to tell us that, circumstances would try and cut us off, but your word remains true, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We believe your word in the face of contrary circumstance. We believe your word in the face of any voice that would come into our minds or from the world in which we live. We put our faith and our complete trust in what you have said. And we thank you for it that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that each one of us would know the security of that right now. Right now. Holy Spirit, make that real. Right now. To our hearts. You know what we've been through. You know what we face. You know what's ahead of us. You know what's behind us. You know everything about us. And you love us unconditionally. Let us know that, Lord, by experience and just restore our souls. What can take a psychologist a lifelong to do, you can do in but a moment. Your peace can wash away every, every troubling thought, every fearful feeling. Your peace can just wash it out of us and rid us of it forevermore. Lord, we are your people. We are bought by your blood. Now, Holy Spirit, you've come to this earth because you love applying everything that Jesus has done and purchased for us to our life. And settle now, Holy Spirit, any heavy heart, any burdened life. Holy Ghost, just apply the word right now to our hearts. In Jesus' name, we ask it for your glory. That we would say with David, I cried for help. And the Lord came to my aid and delivered me from all of my fears. We would say with David, he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. He's like a refuge that no trouble or fear can ever penetrate. Oh God, this is, this is the reward of your people. We thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our strength. Come on, church. It's your strength. It what, it's what keeps you afloat. It's what takes you through every circumstance, every dark hour. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. And let's thank our musicians. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. Well, you know, like Faye said, it's the 1st of December today. And really, it's hard to believe 
how the year goes so quickly. And we're at the closing, we're in the closing weeks of this year. We're heading towards a brand new year. And you know, I wonder when we look back over this year, what we would see. Maybe, you know, we would see some great, wonderful opportunities that we've taken hold of. We've seen some wonderful things happen to our lives by experience. But like any year, there's always the ups, but there's also the downs. And amidst all of the changing seasons, amidst all of the changing circumstances of life, there is one who remains, who never changes, who never falters. And whilst we may be able to look back and see many different varied experiences, some happy and maybe some sad, in the midst of it all, I believe that we can stand at the end of any given year and look back and say, thank you, Jesus, for getting me through. Thank you, Jesus, for another year where you have never left me, where you've never forsaken me. And at the end of this year, for all of us, we would have a different view of it, a different opinion about it. But we can thank God that he's never forsaken us, that he's never let go of us, that he's brought us thus far and will continue on to take us to finish the work that he has for us. Amen. God is so good. And you know, at this moment in time, in this season, this Christmas season, it's always good for us to look back at that beginning moment when Jesus came into our world and was born. When Jesus came from heaven, the darling of heaven came into our dark, broken world to be our Savior, to be our Lord. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at some of the, the, the trials and the tests of faith that Mary and Joseph went through. And throughout the next weeks, we're going to see this message again and again of how love triumphs in the face of darkness. How love triumphs over every test and over every circumstance. How God brings us through how God leads us on. There's many messages that we can draw from in this Christmas message, this first Christmas message where Christ came into our world. Many messages that can encourage us from where we are, from what we face in life. And we're going to look at some of those messages as the weeks go on. But you know, Christmas is a wonderful time and sometimes our world, most times our world loses the whole meaning of this season of Christ coming into our world. Emmanuel, God with us. Do you know in your Bible, you'll see this, there's four Gospels. The beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And three of those writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, describe this first scene, this first moment where Christ came into our world very graphically. They paint an amazing picture for us to understand, for us to see exactly what happened when the angel came into Mary's life and announced 
the wonderful news that a saviour was going to be born through her, her. They give us incredible details about the journey and about all of the trials and the troubles that this young woman had to go through. The, the, the angel comes to her and announces that she is highly favoured by God. And yet it seems after she receives that word, everything goes into reverse. As they write, Matthew, Mark and Luke, they write about the struggle that Joseph had with the whole situation. And then when the angel comes to assure him and give him light on his way, they embrace the word of God together and they obey it faithfully and trust and hold to it. And yet it seems as if things get worse and they give us detail and they give us color and context as to the great troubles and trials that this young couple went through. And all they were doing was believing God. All they were doing was stepping out on faith, stepping out in faith obediently. But these three writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give us much detail about the journey that this young couple had in obeying God's word. But John, he's very different. He doesn't give us any details about the birth narrative of when Christ came into our world. He doesn't talk about where, when the angel came to Mary in Nazareth. He doesn't talk about the whole dilemma that Joseph had and the struggle that he faced and wanting to put Mary away and privately break off their engagement because of the shame and the scandal attached to this young virgin claiming that she was with child. John doesn't talk about any of those details. He doesn't talk about the shepherds visiting, Jesus being born in a cattle shed. John doesn't talk about this young couple running for their lives as Herod seeks to murder tens and does murder tens of thousands of babies trying to stamp out the Christ child. As they flee 500 miles to Egypt, John doesn't talk about any of the birth narrative as these other three disciples did. But John opens his gospel with a wonderful statement and I want us to listen to this statement today and if you can, let it sink deeply down into your heart because not only was it relevant to Mary and Joseph as they faced the crisis and the huge dilemma that tried to destroy them, it's, it's as relevant to us today as it was to them back there in that beginning. Let me read it to you. This is how John covers this whole birth narrative of when Christ came into the world. Very different to the others. He says this in John chapter 1 verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
I think we should give Jesus a huge shout and a massive round of applause for the reading of his word. Hallelujah. John's very different as to how he covers this early beginning, these, these first moments of when Christ was born and came into our world. He doesn't give us the details. He doesn't give us any color. Unlike the others, he just makes a declaration, a triumphal statement. He just makes a declaration to all of the powers of darkness. And John was writing his gospel many, many years after this event, some 80 years after Christ had been born, John pens these words and maybe looking back in hindsight and viewing and thinking about how God had entered our world through Christ Jesus and through this young couple and their faith. He sums it up by the Spirit of God and he says the light has shone and the darkness has not been able to contend with it. The darkness has not been able to extinguish it. The darkness has not been able to overpower the light that has come. What a wonderful statement. What a wonderful assurance for your life. You may think, well, Dave, how could this be relevant for my life? A statement that John made over 2,000 years ago. How could it be relevant in 2019? How can it be relevant to my life and the circumstances that I am facing? Well, it's written in present tense, not past tense. John didn't say, the light has shone, referring to the past. 80 years, 90 years possibly, after Christ had been born, John makes this declaration, not just about the beginning moment of when Christ came into the world, but 80 years on, John makes this declaration for every generation to hear. He says this, the light shines. That's present tense, not past tense. He says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. It cannot extinguish it. It will never be able to contend with it. The light is shining. And we've got to take hold of this word, this statement, and we've got to, we've got to let it seep down into the soil of our heart We've got to take hold of it because very often the voice of circumstance and the crises of life very often would try to counteract this. And as we're engulfed in darkness through situations that we never thought would happen but have happened, very often we feel hopeless and helpless. But child of God, you take hold of this statement today and you, you go to your knees and you say, oh God, be the light in my darkness. Be the light where I am. Be the light that extinguishes the darkness that is trying to take hold of my life and he will.
the testimony of Mary, the testimony of Joseph, in fact, the testimony of every Bible-believing Christian is such. The light shines and the darkness cannot overcome it. Now, as we think about this statement, think about the darkness of Mary's location, first of all. The Bible tells us that she was from Nazareth. That when the angel Gabriel came to announce those wonderful words from God about her destiny, that she would bear the Christ child, the Savior of the world. She was in Nazareth. And we know from the Bible that Nazareth had a reputation of nothing good ever coming out of it. Imagine growing up and living in a location that had such a reputation. Nothing good ever comes out of this place. It had no future. It was a dead-end location with dead-end lives. People just existed. People had no hope. And the darkness over that vicinity was heavy. The darkness over that community was labeled, nothing good will come out of here. That's dark. That's really dark. But God visits a young virgin whose life is ready for him to move. And he visits her with his favor in the most unfavorable of places. God can do anything. God chooses a, a dead-end place that has a reputation of nothing good ever coming out of it to visit a young woman and says, I'll use her. She's got favor with me. And when we look around at the communities of our city and even beyond the regions of Wales, there are many places that have a reputation just like Nazareth. Nothing good can come out of here. I'm telling you now, that might be true when, when man looks at it, but it's never true when God looks at it. I'm telling you now, God can raise up people from the communities around us who are living in houses, who are living in communities with this, this statement written right over it, nothing good here. And I'm telling you, God can pull men and women, both young and old, and do miracles through them and raise them up to be ambassadors for his name. God can do incredible things. He really can. But this was a dead-end place with an awful stigma attached to it. And when you grow up in that kind of environment, it's easy for that to be internalized in your life. I wonder whether that message had been internalized in Mary's life. Maybe a low expectation, maybe not a great outlook for life. And yet God looked beyond that all and he visited her. Let's read about it in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. The moment where the angel Gabriel arrives to announce the greatest message in a place that had a reputation of nothing good ever coming out of it. 
It says this, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, imagine this, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. You are blessed. Or blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. I wonder why she was troubled at his saying. Because nobody around her for a long time in that city had ever made a statement like that. These were words that were foreign to this woman that had grown up in an environment that was so hostile and so negative and so dark. But what was happening here, the light was shining in the darkness. And no matter what kind of history, negative history, that city had in nothing good coming from it, the light was shining in a moment, giving this woman a destiny, giving this woman a revelation about her life. That the darkness and all of the negativity could not extinguish. You're favored. You're blessed among women. But this saying troubled her. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Maybe we need to catch that one today. With God, nothing will be impossible. People have been doing this and that to try and hinder and break your resolve. People have been conspiring against you and spreading all kinds of lies about you. This is for somebody here this morning. And darkness has been trying to engulf you and eclipse all hope. But the light shines. And the light for you is this. With God, nothing shall be impossible. In the face of the onslaught of the enemy, in the face of all of the oppressive thoughts and feelings that, that, that is going on in your heart, the light that's going to shine 
in all of this darkness that's trying to crush you is with God. Nothing is going to be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow. A moment. Just one moment. One encounter with God. Not an announcement to the world, but a private moment in a very humble home in a city that had a reputation of nothing good coming out of it. A private moment with an angel sent by God announcing news of great favor in her life. And this moment brought incredible change for her. She embraced it. She took hold of it. Be it done unto me according to your word. And her world changed. Every step that she would make forward, she would take forward into obeying that word and fulfilling that word. would bring challenge, confrontation, difficulty, unimaginable darkness, but in the midst of it all, as she went forward, believing God's word, the light would shine in the darkest of situations, in the darkest of circumstance, the light would shine and just lead her on through every step of the way. You know, change for all of us comes. And there's changes that we, we are excited about. There's changes that bring us great joy. There's changes. And they're like summer seasons. Everything's growing. Everything's thriving. What we've planted in previous seasons we're suddenly harvesting. Change is a wonderful thing when it's on your side. Change is a wonderful thing when things are going well and we're prospering. And, you know, you're getting the taps on the back. You're getting the applause from man. You're getting the promotion. You're being favored by God and by man. That's a great thing. But also we're all aware of changes that come our way that we hadn't planned for, that we don't have any control of. Changes as a result of believing God's word, stepping forward in faith to do what he's called us to do. Changes that come as a result of just following Jesus and doing his will. And as Mary stepped out to obey God's word, as Mary stepped out to fulfill the plan and purpose that God had for her, great change would come. The moment that the angel came and announced great favor, 
It was a moment of great change, a mind change. Something good is going to happen in this place where nothing good comes out of. A great change. Highly favored by God. Not under the heel of life. This is what Gabriel said to her. The Lord is with you. Imagine that. God's with you, Mary. You're not alone. You're not on the rubbish heap of life. You're blessed among women. You're not isolated and alone and forgotten. And you're going to bear the son of the highest. He will be great. He will sit on David's throne. His kingdom will never end. What a change of life. What a change of thinking. What a change of a course as you go forward into the future. What a wonderful day. But this change brought Joseph into terrible conflict. And Matthew tells us about that. He was betrothed to Mary. She was going to be his wife. And betrothal in the Eastern world is as good as marriage. When somebody is betrothed, when they're engaged, when a couple is engaged, the marriage, it is just like marriage. It just has to be solemnized. But they were as good as married. And yet they'd had no union. They were married. But now Joseph has a terrible dilemma as Mary tells him that she's pregnant. And he's struggling to believe. He's struggling to know what to do. And he wants to put her away privately. What a change that's bearing down now, not just upon Mary. It's great to know that you're highly favored. It's great to know that you're going to do something amazing with your life for God. It's great to say, I am the maidservant of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. But what about when that word begins to really dramatically affect the world in which you live and the relationships that you have? And that's what Mary was having with the closest person that she held dearly to her life, Joseph was struggling, but you know what? Even in Joseph's darkness, the light shone. Darkness could not overcome him. All of his feelings, all of his reasoning could not take in the fact that Mary was with Christ's child and the Holy Spirit had overshadowed her. All of his reasonings and all of his feelings were plunged and engulfed into darkness and they were causing him to do things that were outside the purposes of God for his life. But light shone. Light shone for Joseph into his darkness and the darkness that was trying to engulf him could not overcome him. Let me read to you from Matthew 1 verse 19 to 20. 
It says this, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example because under the law, Mary, if Joseph had have made her a public example, Mary would have been stoned. Nobody would have believed what God had spoken through Gabriel in private in her home. Nobody would have believed it. But Joseph being a just man, a loving man, not understanding, not being able to take in the word of God, was willing to put it away privately so nobody would know what was happening. Compassion and gracious. And God speaks to him. He wanted to put it away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. You see, sometimes we make decisions just out of fear. Sometimes they're, they're decisions because our heart is heavy and our mind is racing in a million different directions. So we just pull one decision out of the, out of the air and we think, well, we'll just go with this one. But fear's behind it. And Joseph was going to lose the, the one that he loved and the one that he was betrothed to. And it was all rooted in fear. But do you know when light comes in darkness... It removes all of our fears. Perfect love casts out fear. That's what the Word of God says. And the Word of God lovingly redirects him. The Word of God becomes his revelation by which he can hold on to. And fear goes. Do not fear. Do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. No more explanation is needed. His heart believes. His faith holds on to the Word of God. Light comes into a dark moment of even Joseph's life. And now together in agreement, they're going to do this. They're going to walk this journey of faith together. And you know, when you read the writers and you read about the scene of it all, they get a moment's respite, which is good. But soon again, because the prophetic word of God has to be fulfilled, circumstances aroused. And Caesar Augustus sends out an edict. Now, this is to fulfill prophetic word given through the prophet Zechariah because the Christ child was to be born in Bethlehem. But at that point, Joseph and Mary were in Nazareth. Now, he would grow up in Nazareth, but because the prophet had declared it, because the word of God had spoken it, it would not fail. It would not return to him void. And it was a hundred mile journey to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they had no intention of leaving their home. Mary was heavily pregnant now. So what did the sovereignty of God do? It stirred up circumstance. It stirred up Tiberia, uh, Caesar Augustus to send out an edict right across the land. And what happens? The sovereign hand of God 
use his circumstance to set them on course to go on a hundred mile journey. You know, sometimes the plan of God does not take into account our comfort. The plan of God can seem rough and bumpy and, and, and go beyond what we can understand. An angel didn't come and tell them you need to go to Bethlehem. No, God just used circumstance to get them there. And off they went on a hundred mile journey. And by the time they got there, the very night that they got there, they run into another problem. Mary's about to give birth. And they, they hadn't planned for it. Nobody's prepared for it. This is all hidden. This is all secret. Christ is about to be born. And the world don't know about it. Everybody sleep into the fact, but God, you see, had planned it that way. Knocking on inns and hotels, trying to find room, trying to find a place where the Savior of the world could be born. Isaiah had said, you shall call his name Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, mighty God and they can't even get a room in an inn but God you see doesn't think the way that we think his ways are not our ways as far as the heavens are from the earth God's ways are from our ways his ways are unknowing past finding out no, do you think the God who flung stars into space and put the planets in their orbit and holds everything together by the word of his power, do you think that if he'd have wanted to get a room in an inn, he could have got one? He could have reserved a place. But Jesus and the Father in their council chose the most humble place to begin, the most, the most dirty, the most sordid place to be born. No room anywhere. Everywhere's full. But there's a shed, a cattle shed, out the back. You know, when children are born, they're born in clean, sterile environments, handled with great care. Not this one. Not this one. And it would seem that there's no care given, no attention, just a cold, dirty animal shed. The plan of God is being worked out exactly. And light is shining as shepherds come and humbly bow before him. And on beyond there, as wise men come from the east who've traveled many, many miles, thousands of miles, 2,000 miles or so, traveled because they'd seen a star in the east. The word of God is being fulfilled in amidst awful circumstances.
You say, I've got circumstances, they're awful, troubling, painful, crisis after crisis. I didn't think this was going to happen. Seems as if everything has exploded. Yeah, yeah, just like it did for these. Draw comfort from it. You've got the strength to go through it. Draw comfort from it. You will be led in triumph. Draw comfort from the Word of God. That light will shine in your darkness and the darkness will not extinguish it. We draw comfort, oh God, from your Word. We draw comfort from your example, Jesus. He's born. And after this, we see that there's a moment, maybe a few weeks, we don't know, a moment of order when they go into a house before the wise men visit them. The wise men, I always used to think the wise men visited at the same time as the shepherds. Always thought that. But you know, when you look at the Bible, you look at the, the, the writers, you see that the wise men actually visited them when they were in a house, not in the stable. It's just a little detail. And they, things are going okay. But Herod heard the news that a king, not a king, the king was going to be born. The king of all kings would have a kingdom that will never end, uncompared with. And he gets jealous, he gets furious, and he finds out from the religious rulers of that time as to where this Christ child would be born. And they search the, the, the prophecies and they get a location. And he begins to send out his soldiers and tens of thousands of children now are being murdered, all in an, an, in an attempt to destroy the Christ. That's dark. That's not your Christmas card picture that we often look at and think, oh, what a nice Christmas. What a peaceful way that Jesus came into our world. That's horrid. That's dark. That's unbelievable. Babies being killed by a wicked, evil king, Herod. And yet light again. You see, they had a, a moment of respite, a moment of peace. Maybe for a few months, a few weeks, who knows? But then suddenly as soldiers go into the vicinity and start murdering innocent children, and there's a, there's a cry of suffering all around them. Darkness again eclipsing them. Suddenly the angel comes to them and says, right, you've got to leave, you've got to go. And they make that 500-mile trip to Egypt. For two years they're there. Mary didn't know any of that when she said, be it done unto me according to your word. All Mary had heard on that moment when the angel Gabriel came into her home in Nazareth was, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
The son that you're going to bear is the son of the highest. His kingdom's never going to come to an end. She heard all of the highlights, but now the fine print was being worked out through her experience as she obeyed God's word. And the fine print of circumstance contradicted the wonderful promise that she'd heard back in Nazareth just months ago. But you know what I love when you read it? They never, listen, what an example to follow. They never complained. They never turned their back on God. Things were awful. Things were hard. Things, they must have had questions. They must have cried tears. Deep sorrow must have gripped their heart even whilst they held Jesus, seeing all of this darkness around them. But they never complained because at every point of the journey, the light shone and the darkness did not overcome it. Amen. Let me read to you. Finally, from 2 Corinthians, because Paul, like John, talks about this wonderful light. This light is not simply relevant for the moments when Jesus came into our world and directed Mary and Joseph through all of the trials that they faced. John said, it's a light that shines and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Paul, picking up on the wonderful light of Christ in our lives, says this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 to verse 7, he says this, For the God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We know we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Hallelujah! The light shines in our hearts. Our lives are fragile. What a beautiful description. Our lives are so fragile, just like a clay jar that's easily broken and shattered as we're buffeted by circumstance and problems. Oh, but the light, the treasure of this light is within you and within me. And that means but one thing. Darkness can never extinguish it. Darkness can never engulf us. The light of Christ is in you. And it will never, never be put out. Amen. Well, there's a little introduction to Christmas. But today, I know for some of us, We felt engulfed, attacked, surrounded by this darkness. Sudden news, unexpected events. They come one after another in certain seasons, queuing up to meet you. And you get hit down by one, you jump to your feet, think, oh, I'm glad I'm through that. And then you get hit by another. 
We've all been there, but thank God we're a family together. We're a family together. And I want to encourage you today. Just take this this little verse. This little verse, I believe the Holy Spirit's instructed me to give you this little verse. I'm going to ask the musicians to come in a moment. 1 John chapter, uh, chapter 1. I was going to say 1 John chapter 5 then. Look at Norma laughing. Don't think I can't see you, but there. <laughs> laughing at me, look. She always laughs at me. But I wa- listen, I want you to take this. this. This wonderful, wonderful statement that John makes. And take it and hold on to it for your life. Because you're going to see it shine. You're going to see it shine. You're going to see it penetrate and disperse the darkness that is trying to come against you. You are not going to be defeated. You are not going to be defeated by darkness. You're going to, the light is going to shine. And you know what? We are, listen. We don't have to come out fighting. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. No, we're just like a clay jar. We can't do anything. I mean, what can a clay jar do? But the light in you, the light in you is going to do what you cannot do. And you're going to rejoice and your mouth is going to be filled with praise. It really is. Take this little verse and pray it. The light, what John said, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, cannot overcome it. Amen. Father, I pray right now for your people. Lord, you see every circumstance, every situation that we face. Thank you for your word. David said this, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Holy Spirit, would you speak your word into our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you be the light? Would you carry the light of of the word of God into our hearts? We want it to be that lamp unto our feet. We want it to be a light unto our path. We thank you, Lord. We believe your word that says that this darkness will never, ever overcome the light. It will never overpower it or extinguish it. We thank you that this light is in our hearts. We are but frail jars of clay. But Lord, we thank you that this light inside us is undefeatable. This light of your word guides us on through. So therefore, Lord, we go from this place with your word. Help and comfort us in Jesus' name. We ask it for your glory. Amen. Amen.